As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Well, welcome everyone to this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. We're recording this on March 31st, 2020. Just to provide a little context, I am sitting here with, as we describe Mike, the great Mike Glenn, an incredible leader, an incredible mentor and friend to all of us here at the Talent Magnet Institute and Centennial. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. Mike, it's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Mike, I appreciate the opportunity that you provided for us to talk about change management ideas for leaders during this time. So the opportunity for us to just dialogue, we're going to take a walk through a presentation that we're sharing with all of you, and we would encourage you to submit your questions, thoughts, ideals back to us so we can be a resource for you. So Mike, let's kick this conversation off. It sounds great. Okay, the idea here, having spent a bunch of years in change management, when Mike approached me, I said, I'd be glad to share, but consolidate what I've had a chance to learn through other great leaders. And I'm really calling it change and transition management. If you're familiar with Bridges' model, he wrote about change and he said, we talk about change, it's really two parts. It's really about the change and really about the transition. The change is physical. Let me try to demonstrate that. I've got a little glass of water here. Sometimes it can be sudden and sometimes it can be really evolving. But I've got a glass of water here. I'm going to drop a stone in it. I can get in the right camera spot. And that change was really kind of abrupt, like an accident, a car accident or something. You're driving along and boom, there's a change. What Bridges offered was there's a transition. So the change is physical. The transition is really psychological. And that gets into how we feel about things, our outlook about it, what our mindset is. And that sort of change is really like, I've got another glass of water here, I've got a little drop of dye. I'm gonna drop it into the glass here. And maybe you can see this kind of change is really slower. It's really sort of permeates everything that's going on. It's a lot of the change that we're happening right now. So the change is ongoing. We hear new news every day, every single moment, and it just keeps evolving and evolving until it really kind of consumes and occupies the entire water space in this glass. So what Bridges talks about, you can see here, three main things that he really talks about in the Bridges model. There are endings, there's a neutral zone, and there's new beginnings. And so if we can look at the next slide, the way to represent this is like three steps. There's an ending to it, and that's, we're going through life and all of a sudden something ends and there's a change. There's a feeling of loss. We have to give up something. So we start there and then we go down through this curve so we get to the neutral zone and that's at the bottom and we call that the neutral zone or the danger zone because there's feelings of uncertainty there's chaos it's a mind map without a field it's where we really feel uncomfortable and we don't really understand what's going on then the third step is when we move up to the beginning and that's when we accept the change and we eventually have enthusiasm for it so when we think about the change we're going through right now it's really the transition that something has ended Something is, we're in the neutral zone, and there's a new beginning. 
And what's also really interesting about this model, it says people and organizations experience that at different times. So it's not like we walk through this as a group, but we're at different stages. So the endings, something has a close, and maybe you're seeing it with the people you work with or whatever, but there's a loss of something. It could be the loss of the familiar, control, security, identity, belonging, certainty, or confidence. But something's gone that we had before. It's really the ending is we have to give up something. And it's really like letting go. When I hear the letting go, we have a three-year-old granddaughter. We're always watching Frozen. And that song, Let It Go, there's a lot of truth in that. So it's also characterized sometimes by anger and by sadness. So something that we really didn't want to happen, happened. I should also make a phrase. There's also an upswing for positive change. When things happen that we didn't expect it extremely good, you just flip the curve the other way around. We have that euphoria. Then we start coming back to normal. So it's all about a return to normalcy. So that's endings. The neutral zone. Here are some phrases and words that are characterized by that. There's uncertainty, there's chaos, walking in a minefield, there's fear, we're in limbo, there's hang time. Some people call it the valley of despair, the resentment, unfocused energy, anger, nothing clear, no one satisfied. And our attitude and our effort are really the only things we can control. And I think that's where our solace lies. For those of us who are of faith, it's really, you know, having faith, hope, and love that really brings us through this. So someone said the only things we really control are our attitude and our effort. So that's something we can think about as we go through all this neutral zone. And the last phase is the new beginning. And that's characterized by we eventually begin to accept it. We help others accept. There's a sense of relief. New things take hold. There's an investment in new things. And we get to be effective and actually over time, optimism will eventually set in. So when we think about some of the changes we're going through right now, perhaps you can see where you are or the people you're working with are in this transition period right here. And we're all at different spots at different times. Hmm. Richards gives a really good example of this. In 1850, a bunch of Americans went on a 2,000-mile journey. And here's an outline with some of the things that was going on. There was an ending. And that ending was characterized by heartaches. In the East Coast, there was scarcity. Everything was costly. The Midwest was in depression. There were free lands in the West, and that gave people an opportunity to think about the better life. I could leave here and go out West and get free land and start anew. There was really a vague vision of what Oregon looked like. All they were thinking about, this is going to be really, really well. So what they had to do in this ending was to cast off everything that was familiar to them. So they packed their wagons with all their belongings. I mean, they were really packed. They could barely move at all. So when they left, they headed toward Oregon, and they came into the neutral zone, which is really characterized by hard times. They found quickly into the journey that they just couldn't take all these possessions with them, so they had to reassess the value of the position, so they started throwing things away. They managed to cross the dangers of the prairies, you know, the streams, the rivers, whatever was going on in the prairie at that time. Then they saw the Rockies. I just can't imagine taking a wagon train through the Rockies. But somehow they managed to get through, and then they wound up on the other side in Utah, and what they found was a hot, dry desert. And they began saying, whose idea was this? This is crazy. We're not going to make it. We're going to starve. We're going to die of thirst, whatever. This is really what experts call their valley of despair. The enthusiasm was gone. Their ambition was fading. They had crossed the Rockies. And this was their really valley of despair because they realized they can't turn back. Oftentimes in a change, you reach a point where you can't go back. Sometimes you can and sometimes you can't. And then they were saying, gosh, we got to go to the Rockies. So the new beginnings uh, was really characterized by deferred stability and prosperity. 
as opposed to realizing the dream when they got there, they found out that you can't farm in Oregon like you do in Ohio. There were lands to clear, houses to build, there was new weather patterns, there was finding food and frequent moose. A lot of people didn't live and actually starved because they just didn't have the food. And what Bridges tells us in a story, it sometimes took two or three generations to really gain the prosperity that they had when they really left originally. So the idea behind Bridges wants to point out here is sometimes that we go for things which seem really appealing, but may not be as appealing as they seem because we really haven't thought them through. So, Mike, I think this defines why many of us have been seeing pictures of the Oregon Trail popping up. This provides me a lot of context as to why that particular scenario is being used as an example right now that we're all living through. Really interesting. Yeah. So again, Bridges was really an expert in talking about there was a change. They decided to leave and that was a change. And the transition was all the psychological process as they made that journey across America. Hmm. And to make this really practical, what I wanted to do was talk about something to build a compelling case for change. This is something about 35 years ago, I was with an organization and they were changing the benefits to the organization. And they brought in a consultant group from Chicago and they talked, had groups, employees meeting and talked about the change. I was so impressed with their presentation that I actually wrote it down 35 years ago. I have been using it ever since. Hmm. So there are a couple of really important points about building a compelling case for change. This really gets back more to the change than the transition, but there's transition mixed all the way through it. The first point is translate the urgency and importance of the issue into a meaning new to the output or behaviors that people can understand. What's the basic objective of this change? Are we trying to achieve something? Are we trying to fix something? Trying to improve something? Empower something? Try to avoid missing an opportunity or to minimize a risk? So when we think about a compelling case for change, you know, what's the really driving forces behind this particular change? The second idea to build a compelling case for change is to explain the basic objective what it is, what's preserved, and what options have been considered but not yet rejected. It's a great opportunity, even from a transition standpoint, we're going from this to this. So what's being changed? What's staying the same? What do we think about and reject it because it just didn't seem appropriate for our situation? So, so far what you've done, you've created a picture. Something needs to change, and this is why we're really changing. Third, explain what could happen if the change doesn't occur. This is really checking for understanding that maybe some people don't want to go there. So I've heard and actually clients have used phrases like, this could happen if we don't go there. We could stay in mediocrity. There could be danger. We could stall. We could risk. We could lose. We could be divided. So it really creates what Bridges calls a sense of urgency to say, we just can't stay here. We got to have to move on. Then the fourth step is explain the first steps of the change. This is what we're pushing for. This is who we want to enlist. This is what we're going to leverage. This is how we're going to move from arbitrary positions without explanations to fact-based decision-making. I mean, all you have to do now is watch what's going on with our government officials. They're saying the urgency here is critical. We need to push for this. We need to enlist the support of all the communities, healthcare, governmental units, political figures, task forces, and whatever. In fact, the Wall Street Journal had an article today about establishing task force groups to address change. So explain the change, the first steps of change. This is what we see happening. 
A fifth point overview what's already got, been done, so we have a sense of accomplishment. Summarize how the first steps meet the basic objectives. So when we're talking about we're going from to, and this will address the urgency and the importance of why we need to change. And then ask for support if someone doesn't say, what can I do to support this particular change? Hmm. So this, again, I offer it as a format is to think about how do I communicate change in a way which has a little bit of change and also has a little bit of transition in it as well. Hmm. So just to recap, for those listening, we have bullet one, translate the urgency and the importance of the issue into a unit of meaningful outputs or behaviors that people can understand. Bullet two, explain the basic objective. What has changed? What is preserved and options considered yet rejected? Bullet three, explain what could happen if the change does not occur. Bullet four, explain the first steps of the change. Bullet five, overview of what has already been done. Bullet six, summarize how first steps meet the basic objectives. Bullet seven, ask for support. If someone doesn't ask, what can we do to support the change? It's a really great way. Oh, just for a little bit of fun. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. But if you take the word change and you remove the C and you remove the E, you've got the word hang. And sometimes hmm. the question is, what's the hang up in the change? And the analogy that people are going to be at different steps and what's the change up? Let me paint a picture then. Imagine that you're watching a high wire trapeze act where you have a person standing on a tall pole and there's a swing they're going to grab and they're going to swing out in space. And someone on the other pole is going to take a swing and swing the space. And the idea is they meet in the middle and the first person lets go of the handlebar, pivots and grabs the hands or the bar of the other person. So the idea for change is for a split second there, a person is suspended in space. When they let go of the first bar in person or they let go of the second bar in person, they're hanging there. And that's what we often call the hang up and change. It's that moment, that neutral zone where nothing is clear and everything is confusing. So when we talk about what's the hang up and change, it's normally in that neutral zone that we get hung up. It's like, I don't understand, I'm not clear. Mm -hmm. And as leaders, the more we can have clarity and certainty about sort of leading through that change, we can help others go through that change as well. Mm -hmm. And this picture right here is a different way of looking at the transition model. It just says that people are at different places at different times. And in reality, the ending never really ends because you can see if you slice down through it, there's always a little bit of ending in a neutral zone. There's always a little bit of ending in the beginning as well. So people experience change at different rates and that it's really a blend of all three at the same time. So for those listening, this particular slide, and you can go to Talent Magnet Institute's YouTube channel and see the slides. It basically demonstrates that as some of us may be evaluating the beginning of the change and what's going to happen, there are individuals who have already thought through, have passed the neutral zone and the ending zone, and building empathy for the fact of where people might be right now, acknowledging that we need to do our part as leaders to communicate to get people on the same page is critically important. And also being aware that as you communicate, you're speaking to people at different levels, that we're all moving through this process differently, and we need to be aware how we can be helpful 
how we can be thoughtful and going through the seven steps that Mike provided is a great way to evaluate where your communication strategies are right now, how you're thinking about them, how you're delivering them to your team, to your organization, and to your people. Mike, that's a perfect summary because it's thinking about who are all the entities that I interact with and how do I need to be mindful about where they are, where they're going, and how we can collectively make a difference. As a closing perspective here, there's a quotation in the book, The Lessons of Experience, which is actually one of the best leadership books ever. And it says, resolve to be tender with the young, compassionate with the aging, sympathetic with the striving, and tolerant of the weak and wrong, because at some time in your life, we have been all of these things. And we think about, again, the changes we're going through, different generations, different levels of economic challenge. So it says, as we think about how do we respond to those people, remember at some point in life, we have or will be in all of those different spots. And the closing quote that I think that really is compelling for me is by Helen Keller. She said, death is no more than a passing from one room to another, but there will be a difference in me, for me, you, because in that room, I shall be able to see. So again, having great perspective about what things are really most important. Mike, thank you so much for this conversation, for this opportunity to bring your expertise together and walking us through your learnings that you're instilling in all of us to really think about the power of change management and the power of communications and aligning all people, no matter where we are, to that for our listeners and our subscribers we thank you for this conversation. And Mike, I thank you. I'm blessed beyond belief. And the work that you and the Talent Magnet Institute is a huge blessing for our community and for the world. And I thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. It is our pleasure. And for those who are just getting introduced to the Talent Magnet Institute, Mike and I together almost, what, two and a half, three years ago, worked the first full-blown, full-scale Talent Magnet Institute initiative with a client that was down in Houston, Texas. And since then, we've been supporting organizations together all over the region that we reside in, as well as beyond. And through content like this, the Talent Magnet Institute and Centennial are trying to bring you leadership perspectives real-time that can help you, what we say, reframe success and leadership. You know, now's an opportunity to ensure that we're leading well in our relationships, in our work, in our community, and in our life. And I love the fact that you ended with a Helen Keller quote, who inspires so many. Death is no more than a passing from one room into another, but there will be a difference for me, you, because in that room, I shall be able to see. And in that room, I'll also add that that's the type of clarity that we need to be able to provide for our people, mm -hmm. right? That through the next door mm -hmm. is an opportunity for us to provide the clarity for people to be able to have eyes opened, their hearts opened, and it's up to us to lead well during this time. Behind me here, I also provided another quote from Walt Disney. First think, second dream, third believe, and finally dare. Thank you for all leaning into this with us. Let's think, dream, believe, and dare to be great leaders during this time of tremendous change. Mike, thank you again. And we look forward to our next conversation with the thank Talent Magnet Institute. Bye. 
All right, bye now. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity.